Very seldom do I change courses from our series of studies. We've been going through 1 Samuel, but this morning we're in John chapter 6, and so that'll be where we take our text from, because I like giving the Lord thanks and appreciation for His goodness. Maybe you've noticed, but we live in a time where many around us feel entitled, feel they deserve benefits not earned. Entitled simply because of the abundance of food, clothing, and shelter that is all around us. To go hungry in America, you have to be dumb. Dumb to all those that want to feed you. <laughs> you know, uh, there's rescue missions. There's many uh, food giveaway programs in our country. But here in America, we even feel we have entitlement to things like a cell phone. Even our children feel a cell phone is necessary. I've thought a long time even carrying a cell phone, but finally I gave in, and now I have a cell phone. But a, a recent survey of the people on the streets of New York City found that one-third of the people that held a cell phone to their uh, ear we're talking to no one. It wasn't even connected. One-third of the people wanted to appear like they were talking to someone on a cell phone. Perhaps you've done this. In an airport or somewhere like that, a person who is on their phone is oblivious to those around us, but you find yourself answering them because they're talking so loud. I've done that and found out he wasn't talking to me. <laughs> I am definitely old school when it comes to conversation. I want to look you in the eye and talk to you. I don't make a lot of phone calls just for conversation. In fact, many people are surprised that I can even text, but I can. After a little struggling, I can usually text. And to be honest, I don't check my voicemail on a regular basis. <laughs> and for me, to get one of Apple's $1,000 smartphones is out of the question. That's just not going to happen. But this I found out about phones. I'm upset, I'm perturbed when I'm standing at some merchant's counter, like an auto parts store, ready to buy a part that I need, and they ignore me to go talk to the, on the phone to someone who's just calling and asking about a price. It bugs me. Hey, I'm here wanting to buy, and you'll, you'll ignore me and go talk to somebody else. All right. Voice my pet peeves. <laughs> but Jesus reminds us 
of the necessities of life. Food and clothing. Shelter is not included in Jesus' list of necessities. We hear Jesus say, The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus depended on others to provide shelter for him. And many times he and the disciples would... uh, would have to just kind of camp out wherever they were. Our Lord Jesus lived a life of simplicity. Even what we would call in modern day terms a life of poverty. Jesus' longest travels was going down to Egypt. And he did that when his dad had a dream to take him out of Israel and go down to Egypt. And he was taken to Egypt by his parents. Jaime, who's not here today, but Jaime flies off to the Middle East on work several times a year. And he will take a flight 12 to 15 hours each way to go halfway around the world. Surely our world is small today. But people are people. And they have the same concerns back in Jesus' day as they have today. And that's, where's the next meal coming from? In Jesus' part of the world, in his time, if you knew where tomorrow's meal was coming from, you were considered wealthy. So turn with me to John chapter 6, and we'll read the first 14 verses. John chapter 6. Verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they had... So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets and with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which 
were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen that sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Word has spread, the news has got out. Great multitudes now throng towards Jesus because of the miracles of healing that has been performed by his hand. Jesus, wanting a little solitude with his disciple, he goes up on a mountain and he takes his disciples with him. The multitude, they're not going to be denied, though. Uh, It's a holiday season, and they climb up on this mountain to be near Jesus. Verse 5, Jesus asks Philip for advice. This is the only time in the Gospels that we find Jesus asking for advice, in particular from his disciples. This is the only record of that. Where, Philip, shall we buy bread that this multitude may eat? And then we're told that this is a test for Philip. Jesus is gently reminding Philip and the other disciples of what appears to be a hopeless situation, a hopeless problem, And he's saying, what are we going to do here, guys? But Jesus knew Philip had been thinking about it. Because Philip has an answer. And it reveals that Philip has thought this through a little bit. He's done the the math. And he's either a a logistics nut or he's a worry wart. (laughs) One of the two. And he says, 200 denarii. Or about $40,000 in today's uh, worth there of bread. And he says, and that is only if you could find somebody who could supply you the bread. And not only that, Jesus, we don't have $40,000. But then Andrew pipes up. (laughs) There's a lad here who has five loaves. And two small fish. And it dawns on Andrew what he has just said. <laughs> but what is that among so many? <laughs> Why did I even say that? <laughs> we can almost hear Andrew's thoughts. I wish I'd have been quiet there, but I spoke up. Verse 10, Jesus takes control and he says, My disciples... Make the people sit down and sit down in order. Fifty in each little group. Verse 11, my disciples distribute the loaves and fishes to those that are sitting down. And then we have Jesus give thanks for the food that he has just created. Peculiar thing to do. Verse 12, so when all had eaten and all the people were filled, and it's kind of like they were filled to the point of being, point of being glutted, when all were filled and stuffed. You ever go to a buffet? You ever go to a potluck here? 
you don't make one trip through those lines. You make several trips through those lines. More than likely, if there were 5,000 men there, there were probably 15,000 as a crowd because most of the men would have been married and most of the men would have had children. And he says to his disciples, gather up the fragments. Gather up what is left over. And there's 12 basketfuls left over. 12 bushel-type baskets from five little dinner rolls and two little fish. They've been multiplied by Jesus, and it's been done in a way that no one seemed to take notice. In verse 14, when the people saw, when they had seen what was done, the people began to realize that a miracle has been done right before them, and they come to a conclusion. Truly, this is the prophet. What prophet? The prophet that Moses spoke of. The one that Moses said, God will raise up a prophet like myself. And this is the prophet who has come into the world. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, the early church is multiplying rapidly. Let me read you three verses from Acts 6, 1 through 3. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution, distribution of food. Then the twelve summons the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Let me bring to your attention the biggest point of contention among the disciples was who would among them would be the greatest in God's kingdom. They constantly argued about this. Gail Irwin, you may know him or have heard of him, he will now take the disciples out to the woodshed and he will basically tell them they need a spanking. <laughs> Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000, has given orders that the disciples are to serve his people. Serve the people, my disciples. Sit the people down. Distribute to them the loaves and the fishes and give everyone as much as they want. Now, my disciples, gather up the fragments. And they gather up 12 baskets, 12 baskets full of fragments. Jesus, in the feeding of the 5,000, gives his disciples the task of serving the people. Peter denied the Lord 
the very famous denial, you know, before the cock crowed, you know, Peter denied him three times. And Peter is then being restored by Jesus, and Jesus says to him three times, Do you love me, Peter? Peter says, Well, you know I love you. You know I care about you. And three times Jesus tells Peter, Feed and serve my sheep. But this is a lowly task, serving the people, being a waiter. And it's a duty or a responsibility that the disciples did not cherish. Back to Acts chapter 2, or verse 2 of chapter 6. It is not desirable that we should serve tables. The very thing Jesus required of the disciples is now not desirable for them to do. They don't like that job description. And the disciples, what do they do? They choose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and six others that are just like Stephen. And what happens? The disciples miss the opportunity that Stephen, the table server, is now given. Acts 6, verse, uh, Acts 6, verse 8. Stephen is full of faith, full of power, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen is a man who was happy to serve the people. Stephen is used by God while the disciples put into practice an attitude of hierarchy. They had forgot that Jesus told them to sit the people down, serve the people, give them food to eat, take up the fragments, wait on them, serve them, disciples. But the disciples, they wanted recognition. And lowly serving, in all honesty, is beneath them. How often we want to be recognized as being important. The disciples fought this all the time they were disciples under Jesus. They argued about it on a constant basis. The singular thing that attracted me to Calvary Chapel and to serve as a deacon and an elder was you were expected to serve. Serve. Minister. Serve them. Serving the people was an ongoing challenge for Jesus' very own disciples. And they had difficulty reconciling that. So God simply used 
Stephen, and six others like him, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, to accomplish signs and wonders among the people. He bypassed the disciples, God did. But when you serve a person, you earn the right to speak into their life. Hopefully, I earn the right to speak into your life. For I am a minister. I try to serve you. Not always successful, but I try. <laughs> That's sermon number one. But I have another one. <laughs> now let me draw your attention to Jesus' behavior with the loaves and the fishes. Jesus took these loaves and fishes that he just created in a way that was a non-show-and-tell way, and he gave thanks for them. He gave thanks for something he just created. First, no one ever ate a more pure and wholesome meal than the loaves and fishes that Jesus just created. These little fish did not have to go through the process of being caught in nets, cooked or smoked, however they prepared them, because they were created ready for consumption. There's a great number of these little fish that have been created. They did not go through what we call the fall of man, the fall of sin where death entered. The fish were made for consumption. Consider these loaves, in particular the little fish, ready to eat. Bypass all the process of getting them ready to eat. Jesus simply created them ready to eat. And Jesus then gives thanks for them. He just made them and he gives thanks to God for them. Asking God to bless our meals, and this is my humble opinion, removes many of the harmful, unhealthy preserving of food that we feel necessary to set before ourselves. I like food that is cooked. We were just in California and celebrating my son-in-law's birthday. And you know what he wanted? Sushi. Oh, man. <laughs> Who wants to eat raw fish that belong in the bait tank, not on your table? But they prayed over the sushi, and to my knowledge, no one got sick. But asking God to bless a meal on a serious side is an excellent way to show our appreciation, our dependence, our thanks 
for God providing for us. Jesus notices a grateful, thankful heart. It doesn't bypass him. You remember the story when he healed the ten lepers? How many came back to give him thanks? One. One person came back to give him thanks, and he was not a Hebrew. He was a Gentile. So we're going to enjoy a meal together this morning. Let me get you to stand. We're going to pray over our meal. And we're going to give thanks. We're going to give thanks to God for his great provision. And then we're going to eat and eat heartily. So, and have a good time of fellowship. But let's give the Lord thanks for our meal. Father God. We give you thanks for for providing for us so abundantly, Lord. Many of us have never experienced hunger without being able to satisfy that hunger. And we give you thanks for your provision. We ask you to bless the food, Lord. And Lord, that means make it healthy for us. Give us strength and nourishment from it. We don't want those just to be words. We want to actually be giving thanks for your provision of good, healthy food. So we thank you. And, Lord, we want you to just give us a heart that is not only thankful for the food that we consume and eat and ask you to just purify it and bless it. We want to give you thanks for just an abundant lifestyle you provide for us, for you take care of us. You are the good shepherd. You are the one who watches over us, provides for us, keeps us out of danger, and just uh, overall a good, good God. We thank you for loving us and taking care of us. And may we, in this season of Thanksgiving, just have a grateful heart for your goodness towards us. So be with us as we have a meal together. And bless our time together, and may our hearts be towards you in full thanksgiving. And we pray for this in your name, Jesus. So.